Hello, my beautiful birds, and welcome to today's episode. Uh, today's episode, the theme is, or the title, the theme is coming back stronger after a defeat. So there's a lot to pack into this episode, and I've got the brain fact as well, and a listener question slash story at the very end of the episode. So definitely tune in to listen to that. I highly recommend you listen to that at the end of the episode, just because I feel like a lot of people will see themselves in other people's stories. And sometimes you might have a question that you want answered and it's like, wow, that person asked the exact same question as me and now I've got that answer and I can apply it to my life, my situation, et cetera, et cetera. So the episode of today, which is coming back after a defeat, there's so much that I want to talk about in today's episode. I'm going to try and be as concise as possible because I just, yeah, there's just so many points that I can talk about here. I feel that so much of my podcast and a lot of the emails and DMs that I get from my listeners are all about coming back from defeat. Now, defeat can be so many things. It can be getting fired, not getting the role you wanted, trying something and it not working out, putting everything on the line and it not working out. And probably the biggest one is heartbreak, where you feel absolutely defeated, where you've given everything to this person or it feels like you've given everything emotionally to this person. You adore them, you love them and you feel defeated and abandoned and they break up with you. Or you've been in a relationship where you've kind of feel forced to pull the trigger and break up because it's just all gone completely pear-shaped and you feel defeated. You feel that you've given it your all and it didn't work out. So defeat can be so, so, so many things, but we all know the feeling of it, okay? And I'm going to be breaking down a whole bunch of things that you can do to help you come back from defeat and not think that all is lost. There's, I've got two aims for this episode. So the first aim is that I want you to stop fearing the worst case scenario in your life. I think a lot of us live a life, whether we realize it or not, of fear that the worst case scenario is going to happen. And because of that, we edit how we behave in our lives. We play certain things a bit safer. We don't take certain risks. We don't do certain things because we're terrified of the worst case scenario. But I want you, after listening to everything that I talk about, I want you to realize that you're a lot more capable and resilient than you think you are. You're only here on this earth once, you know, well, maybe, unless you believe in reincarnation, but you're here once, you've got this one life, and you wouldn't wouldn't want to be living your life fearing the worst case scenario, because whether you fear it or not, that doesn't stop it from happening. If something's going to happen, it's probably going to happen. You know, hate to fucking rain on your parade today, but that's just the truth. The person that you're with who you adore might turn around tomorrow and dump your ass, you know. So you wanna, you don't want to live a life, you know, trying to avoid the worst case scenario from happening and, and living in this position because it's, if it's going to happen, it's inevitable. Instead, I want you to remove that fear or the excessive fear because there's always, you know, none of us want to be dumped. None of us want to lose an opportunity. But remove this kind of unnecessary excessive fear because when you do that you're going to be you're going to allow yourself to live a lot freer you're going to allow yourself to explore life more to take possibilities to change things about your life to change course to take risks etc so that's me going on a tangent but yeah my aim for this ep is that number one you stop fearing the worst case scenario like being dumped blah 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 blah. and the second one is that if you do get defeated that you can bounce back a lot faster than you thought you would. I want you by the end of this episode to be like, wow, I actually have a lot of tools at my disposal right here, right now for me to bounce back a lot more efficiently 
than I thought I was able to. And the, the two, my two intentions go hand in hand because once you realize how resilient you actually are and how not only how good you can bounce back, but how good defeat can be for you and your growth and your happiness, weirdly enough, then you're less likely to fear the worst case scenario in the future. I think a lot of people think that, oh, if I get defeated, then I'm never going to be able to do it. It's actually the other way around. And I'm going to break that down throughout this episode. And of course, I've got the listener story at the end of the episode and the brain fact for you guys as well. Okay, so the brain fact of today or what I want to be talking about is cyanide and cyanide poisoning. You know how much I love pharmacology. Um, I also want to talk about something called amygdalin, which is what is in apple seeds, apricot seeds, that kind of stuff. And it's a cyanogenic glucoside. So it's basically cyanide and sugar. So we're talking about all those fun things. So amygdalin releases, basically when you, if you were to eat apple seeds or apricot seeds, you know how they say like don't give apple seeds to dogs and things like that. And this is because of the potentially poisonous aspect that they have. of Like everything, the poison is in the dose. And I'm going to go into that a little bit further later on. But amygdalin releases cyanide, this stuff that's in the apple seeds, releases cyanide into the bloodstream and it was first discovered in the 1800s and they actually tried to use it as like a cancer treatment. I think it was in Russia. But then they found, after a while, they found no evidence or no like proper evidence or studies to support all the claims that were made for it. And then it was found to be associated with cyanide poisoning, believe it or not, when ingested, obviously, because you're eating fucking cyanide. Um, although there are some people out there that do still promote it as an alternative cancer treatment. I haven't looked into that, so it may or may not be a thing. I'm not sure, but that's kind of where it was first discovered and what it was used for. But when you eat this amygdalin, the apple seeds and that shit, it, this amygdalin interacts with the enzymes in your gastrointestinal tract. And this interaction causes it to convert into something called hydrogen cyanide. And that is what makes it toxic. So this interaction and then the conversion into this hydrogen cyanide. And then once it converts into hydrogen cyanide, it interferes with the mitochondria within your cells. Now, what is mitochondria? You may or may not have heard of it. They're these like little organelles. They're within, they're these little things that are within your cells, each cell. And these little organelles wrapped in a membrane. It looks like, like a big bug or a slug, but it's wrapped in a membrane. And these mitochondria, those things are what generate and provide energy, like chemical energy, for your cells' action and interactions, okay? For your cells' actions and interactions. And the chemicals that are produced by these floating membrane-bound mitochondria are stored in these small molecules called adenosine triphosphate, which is also known as ATP. I think a lot of us, especially if you're in the fitness industry or if you've like read up on anything like that, we know ATP as the energy that our muscles use, okay? So cyanide... It's basically, its structure is a carbon atom bound to a nitrogen atom by a triple bond. Whether that matters to you or not, I don't know. And it can bind to alkaline metals like potassium and sodium, or it can bind to sugars. And that's what we see in the fruit pits and the in the apple seeds, um, the amygdalin that I was talking about. Um, and then there's gaseous cyanide as well. And cyanide is very fast acting and it's worse when it's inhaled versus when swallowed because it reaches your bloodstream faster. It doesn't have to interact with certain things and be metabolized along the way. Now, it, like I was saying about the mitochondria, it prevents your cells 
within the mitochondria from producing ATP, that stuff where our muscles get our energy from. And it does this by blocking functions within the mitochondria in something called an electron transfer chain. Okay. So inside this mitochondria, and the mitochondria is like that bug thing that I was telling you about, like a slug that's inside your cell. So you got your cell, then you got inside it this little gooey slug. Inside that gooey slug, which is the mitochondria, is this electron transport chain, which is made up by a bunch of proteins. Okay. So all these proteins, they go through a whole process. Um, I'm not going to summarize it because it's very convoluted. But basically what happens is that um, the electrons and the proteins interact within this transport chain and that interaction is what produces ATP. But when cyanide enters the blood and therefore enters your cells and then it enters the mitochondria within the cell, it binds to something called a COX enzyme. And when it binds to the COX enzyme, it stops the flow or it interrupts that electron transport chain. So when you get that cyanide binding to the COX enzyme, it stops the flow of the electrons within the chain, that section is now blocked because it has been bound. So now the cells can't make ATP or they can't make enough ATP at least. So it has to turn to something called anaerobic energy production. But this is not something that your body can rely on, okay? It only produces a fraction of the ATP that is normally produced by this electron transport chain within the mitochondria. And then we also get this added production of lactic acid when you're using the anaerob anaerobic energy source. So we see this in like a lot of sports that use anaerobic energy more so than aerobic energy. So you think about aerobic oxygen, all of that, where you're breathing, like running and things like that. Anaerobic is more bursts of intensity. So think power, think very short, fast sprints, a high jumper, a weightlifter. That is anaerobic exercise. None of this shit can be sustained long-term. It's just not possible. It's very intense, very quick, and it's for power, but you can't do it long-term. Um, that is the job of the aerobic system. So now if we have low ATP, the muscles don't get that much energy, and that's when we're getting spasms within the muscle as it can't be contract the muscle, the muscle can't contract properly. Now, if this is happening to an extreme, if enough cyanide was ingested, it can lead to the person slipping into a coma and potentially dying. Uh, due to the heart being shut down. Now, remember, like I said at the start, the poison is in the dose. So you may be coming into contact with a very diluted amount of cyanide in an apple seed and you're going to be fine. So it's around 240 milligrams is, I think, the, the dose that kills a grown human, give or take. I'm no expert on cyanide poisoning. But if you have an extremely low dose, you might not notice it at all. Or you might notice a little bit of spasming in, in your muscles, maybe in your hands or something, and that's about it. And then it kind of fades away. Now, is there something that can stop it? Yes, there is. There's an antidote. And if you have taken cyanide, you could take something called amyl nitrate. And basically, in a nutshell, amyl nitrate performs like a function within your red blood cells. And basically what it does, just to break it down really, really basically, it attacks or it like unblocks that bond that I was talking about that cyanide makes to that COX enzyme within the mitochondria. Um, and then because they've unblocked it, it opens up that electron transport chain again and it resumes activity as normal. It starts producing the ATP again. All is well in the world. But even that has to be taken, even this um, amyl nitrate has to be taken in moderation because you don't want to stop your red blood cells from doing their job, which is carrying oxygen. So you only want to do like, I think it's like a 
enough to target 30% roughly of the red blood cells. So you're not using up all the red blood cells to do one job when they're supposed to be doing another. Anyway, good times, interesting times. That is the brain fact or the, I should say like the cyanide fact for today. Okay, let's get straight into the episode of today. I've already given you roughly an intro about my intentions for you guys for this episode about defeat. Now, what I've done is I've broken down kind of points. I've broken it down into points. You know how much I love a fucking list. I love a list. I love points. I love sectioning things out so you can, you know, formulate separate ideas in your head and you can write them down. So I've done it again and I've got around, I think it's, just looking at my notes, it's about nine-ish, maybe 10 points. Uh, It's not really a to-do list. It's, I guess it's just titles to package different ideas together when it comes back. Some things are to do and some things are just consider this thought, okay? So, number one, I want you to identify your power in this situation, okay? When you feel defeated and properly defeated, where there's no turning back, what's, it's done, you technically, let's, like, let's call it hitting rock bottom, if you want to call it that, that you're in a position of power when you hit rock bottom and it doesn't feel like it at that very moment but it's a very powerful position to be in because in a sense and in not in every facet of your life but at least in that facet you no longer have anything to lose everything that could be lost has been lost okay so now you're in this position where you're like okay I'm absolutely heartbroken I've been dumped or this has happened or whatever of the, of the many things that could happen I've lost my money in this situation okay there's nothing to lose anymore or not as much to lose as when you ha- were obtaining that thing or where you had that thing. The stakes are no longer so high. So you're in a very, very unique position that doesn't last very long, okay? Because very soon you're going to obtain things again. You're going to have other relationships. Things do, do fall into place again. So this position that you're in is very, very powerful. And if you can know to maximize it, you can do a lot with it, Okay. Because you are now in a position where you can risk more, okay? This is why a lot of people, not, I wouldn't say most of the population, but a lot of people have the balls to do some crazy fucking shit or seemingly crazy shit when something goes really wrong. Like they get a divorce and then they decide to take up skydiving and become a skydiving instructor or they, you know become heartbroken and they move to another city and shit like that. It's stuff that they're like, well, I've got nothing to fucking lose now. I'm just going to go do that thing. Or, you know, I've got nothing to lose now and I'm just going to tattoo my entire back. You know, shit that they normally wouldn't do because the parameters that existed before this defeat happened no longer exist, okay? Or these parameters, and the parameters could be people's opinions, someone not wanting you to do something, a job where it didn't allow you to be a certain way or wear a certain thing or where you had the time allowance to be able to go and do a certain thing, that doesn't exist anymore. Or the parameters may exist but they no longer matter to you due to this new perspective that you've gained, okay? So I really think it's important that you can identify your power in this situation and ask yourself, what do I no longer have to lose? Because it's been lost, right? Is it my partner's opinion and they never wanted me to do this thing and now I'm going to get my fucking motorcycle license? Or is it, you know, I could never colour my hair because I was always going down this route in this particular job or it could be anything. It could be anything. But start identifying what do I actually not have anything to lose now and what risk could I take? I don't have to take it, but what could I do right now that I didn't think I could do 
prior to this loss happening, okay? Me personally, I moved to the other side of the world. You guys all know that. I've told you a million times. But that's something that I wouldn't have done had I been in a relationship because that would have risked the relationship breaking down. If I had said, bye, cunt, I'm moving to the other side of the world, lol, he probably may or may not have said, well, uh, it's over. Possibly. I don't know. Um, but then when, when the breakup occurred, there was my opportunity. That was an opportunity and I took it. So ask yourself, in the realm of possibilities, what now could I do where I have nothing to lose? Because you're in a big position of power and you need to acknowledge that. Number two, perspective. Your perspective will change. And this is often a rare occurrence for many people. It's actually very difficult to change your perspective on things without being prodded or primed to do so. You need to capitalize in these moments when you're able to see something from a different angle. This is a gift and it doesn't come around that often, okay? When you are in a position of loss or defeat, shit gets put into perspective. You start to think, wow, that thing that I used to care about so much no longer really matters. Like, for example, for me, I actually went through a, a couple of painful things at the same time. And while it felt really, really like, def- like I felt so defeated because everything was happening at the same time. This is my, my, my crumble year. Uh, like it's my fucking defining year. It's such a, 2015 is such a defining year that for me, when I look at certain timelines in my life, I look at it as like, oh, did it happen before 2015 or did it happen after 2015? Because that year was just so tumultuous for me um, emotionally and that's where most of my growth occurred. But I was allowed to gain or I was able to gain a lot of perspective in things that actually helped me deal with other things. So in that year was like my greatest heartbreak, but also was when three of my grandparents passed away. And the love that my grandparents had for each other was just like the the strongest, most beautiful love you could ever imagine. Like they were romantically and flirtatiously in love from when they were like 19 to when they passed away in their 80s. So when they passed away, while the pain was so great and I was already suffering so massively with the heartbreak of being dumped, I was able to put things into perspective and it weirdly helped me, it helped me start to let go of the breakup relationship. It was one of the things that like one of those like gears that it helped me change gears in how I was processing something because I thought, wait a minute, that's the love I want. That is the love I want. You know, here's these two people, my grandparents, these fucking amazing people. They've passed away now. Like what a loss for our family, but wow, what a love that they had. And and they taught me this true, beautiful love and being in love and as painful as it is that I'm being dumped I've now got this perspective of like if I can't have that I'd rather have nothing and if someone's can easily turn around and say don't want to be with you see ya and never speaks to me again it's kind of a favor that they've done that to me because why want why desire to be in a relationship where someone's like ah I could just as easily never talk to you again I could or could not whereas for me my life is crumbling and then you look at the perspective of my grandparents like epic love story and I think no fuck that shit fuck that shit perspective you know it while it was so painful I gained so much perspective and it allowed me to really think is that what I really want now that I'm at this position of defeat do I really even want that anymore so look at your situation and look at the position that you're in 
and think, okay, I've lost it, but do I really want that? Look at, put things into perspective. Look at relationships around you. Look at other career possibilities around you. Look at the best case scenario that you could potentially achieve and think, is this the be all, end all? Because sometimes when you're so tangled up in something, you think this is the only thing for me. This is the only possibility for me. And you think that you couldn't live without it. But then when you lose it, you think, wait a minute, I can live without it. And now with this new gained perspective, now that I've lost it, I actually can break this apart and think there were actually a couple of things here that didn't actually work for me. And now I'm in a position to not have to put up with that shit. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, embrace and take inventory and see where you can learn. This is this is the true learnings that's going to help you bounce back better than you could ever bounce back. If you really want to bounce back, you need to be bouncing back smarter, stronger, and wiser. Otherwise, just stay in the fucking ditch, okay? Stay in your ditch. You need to be equipped with better tools. That is what happens when you are defeated. Defeat serves to teach, okay? Look at it as a learning curve. Look at it as something that's going to make you wiser and stronger. Don't look at defeat as something that's like, oh, I've been stomped while I'm down. Maybe at the beginning it feels that way, but this is going to teach you something. It's going to teach you what not to do again or what you can do again. So this is your moment to embrace and learn, okay? It's really important to ask yourself, what did I have ownership in this, in what happened? Did I have ownership? Because maybe there was nothing I could have done, absolutely nothing I could have done. And that's a really good thing to acknowledge. Like I I had no control and I'm learning to accept something that I have no control over. Or was there something I could have done better And instead of playing the role of the victim, take fucking ownership of what I could have done better. And even though I might not be able to change it now, admit to myself that I can do better next time. I'm capable of doing better. I don't have to play the victim and expect people to do things for me when I'm capable of doing that for myself. If I keep relying on people to do things for me, if I keep playing the victim card, my situation isn't going to improve. Okay? Because when... When you em- truly embrace proper defeat, this is where there's no turning back. There's no fixing it. There's no repairing it. It's dead in the water. It's dead as a dingbat. This is where you fully embrace the situation that you are in. Your excuses die. Searching for closure is no longer something that you're doing or it's no longer a reason to keep digging and like prodding that dead horse. When this resistance ends, that's when true defeat has occurred, Okay. Nothing's going to turn it around. You've totally accepted it. And it's a very, very humbling experience. But when you're truly humbled, I believe, is when you can really grow the most. It's when you learn a lot about yourself. It's when you pause and think, wow, this is, this is me stripped back. But it's also an opportunity to be like, well, you know, what do I want? Who am I? What don't I want? You know, and sometimes that, that, embracing and accepting of true defeat and accepting of your wrongs and your responsibility, if any, in that situation is really eye-opening. And often we never stop and think, what was my ownership in this until it falls apart, unfortunately. Sometimes you can just be cruising along. You see it all the time in relationships. You see it all the time. Couples will be cruising along for decades and decades and decades. And one person in that partnership might have always been prodding, being like, hey, this is wrong. I'm not happy with this. This is wrong. And the other person's just ah, cruising, 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 not taking ownership, not taking ownership. Then eventually that partner, their partner turns around and says, I want a divorce. I'm done. I want a divorce. 
And the other one plays a victim, being like, can you believe it? After 30 years, they just divorced. Out of the blue, out of the blue, out of the blue. This is someone who's not taking ownership. They did not take ownership for their role in the breakdown of the relationship. Those are the kind of people that need to wake up to themselves and think, wait a minute, where did I fuck up? So I don't fuck up next time. It's not so I can turn it around and turn back time. You can't do that. But it will help you in your future. Like, can I actually take some ownership? It's a very unique and special thing to be able to ask yourself and to do for yourself. And most of the time, this opportunity only occurs when you feel defeated or when you've hit rock bottom. Number four, your need for courage. So courage is what allows you to feel okay putting yourself out there again and being vulnerable. That's courage. Um, If you want to learn more about courage, I highly recommend you read Brene Brown's book or you listen to Brene Brown's TED Talk. She's phenomenal. She talks a lot about courage and vulnerability and she she packages it very, very well. So highly recommend you check her out. She's also got a podcast. Um, so courage, this is what's going to allow you to feel okay being vulnerable, putting yourself out on a limb again, okay? And it's the knowledge. Courage is the knowledge that you could get hurt, but you're still willing to go out there again. And I believe personally, that defeat and experiencing defeat and experiencing the bounce back of defeat helps you and not hinders you, but helps you to be vulnerable again. Because defeat is your hard evidence that you survived it. You're not dead. You're here. You're here to live another day. And you were able to continue on. So if anything, I think people think, oh, if I get defeated, I'll never be able to put myself out there again. But it's the opposite. If I get defeated, that's proof that I did survive it and I was able to continue on. And that not all was lost, maybe in that fraction of my life, but those things can be rebuilt. Those things can be regained. Defeat actually serves you to become more courageous because it teaches you that you are more resilient than you thought. Because Only in times where you don't have the control do you learn your true resilience. You can't test your resilience voluntarily. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to try and be resilient today. Resilience happens when something occurs that you didn't want it to occur where it feels like it wasn't in your control. It may or may not have been in your control in hindsight, but in that moment, it's not in your control. And it's how you attack that, how you approach it. That is resilience. How you react to a situation that you didn't want to happen and that you were not prepared for. Okay, so it's something that you can only gain and you can only expand on when defeat occurs. That's resilience. So when you are defeated, you gain resilience. And when you gain resilience, you can become more courageous. But if you sit there and if you choose to make the pain of that defeat last a lifetime, instead of pulling it into perspective, if you choose to make that pain turn you into a victim of your own circumstances and for that to go on for a lifetime, then you're going to live a much, you're going to suffer for a whole lot longer. And if you play the role of the victim, you may genuinely feel that you never have the courage to put yourself out there again. But here is the clincher. You will likely experience more suffering by not being courageous. There's less risk by not being courageous, but there's no reward. And this brings me to my next point straight away, point five, is that life is full of contrasts, okay? You have to embrace that if you want to maximize your time here on earth, you have to accept contrasts. 
Otherwise, you might as well lock yourself into a little cave and have no highs, no lows, and you're probably going to be depressed regardless, okay? Life is contrast, and that is what makes our experience on this earth during our time on this earth. People, jobs, experiences, relationships, emotions, they don't always align with what we want and with who we are. Clashes occur all the time. Contrast is happening all the time. You can't control what happens around you, and due to that, that's what's going to cause a lot of contrast, if you don't acknowledge this highs and lows as life, as the definition of life, and if you don't accept it as a necessary part of your life experience, then you'll live in denial, feeling that the world has wronged you. But you have to change, again, change your perspective. And you've got to look at it as my life, my experience of life needs highs and lows. It needs the contrast. Because if I avoid the lows then I then struggle to avoid the highs. If you like, oh, that defeat was too much. I'm avoiding the defeat. I'm avoiding the defeat. I don't want to get hurt. Then you avoid the highs. I'm not going to be vulnerable. And you can only get the highs through vulnerability. So if you avoid the lows, you are in turn saying, I'm avoiding the highs in my life. I'm just going to live this really plain, like dead. What do you call it? Like the fucking, what do you call it? When someone's heart's beating on that monitor, flatlining. I'm going to fucking flatline my life. Because I don't want the lows and given that I don't want the lows, I'm not going to have the highs. You can't have one without the other, okay? Pain and love, they're contrasting. But they happen and that's life. And that is the understanding and the embracing of life being full of contrast. So I'm kind of blending these two points in as, as you've kind of noticed. Point five and point four. Courage and contrast, okay? Now, number six, a little bit more fun, is... I want you to see this as a window of opportunity for you to do something that you normally would never do or, or something that you wish you could do but were always too afraid. Because if you wait too long, then this window of opportunity is going to fade away because once the pain subsides and once the shock of the defeat subsides, you might go back to living your more conservative, safe version of your life. Maybe just with that loss of the job or loss of the, the place you lived in or loss of this relationship, but you're going back to this kind of more safer space and you think, oh, well, now, you know, that, that time's passed. I'm just kind of moving on now, moving on. I want you to really, really embrace this window of opportunity where you are not going back to your old patterns and your old ways yet and there's enough kind of emotional turmoil for you to kind of throw caution to the wind um, and just do something crazy. This, this is something really good that you can do for yourself because it helps separate the old you and create a line and bring it into the new you okay like I kind of said at the one of the earlier points which is um I think it was like identifying your power in this situation in that point this is your opportunity to go and do something different the more new experiences you can bring into your life once something big happens, like a heartbreak or a defeat, the easier it is to separate your old life and your new life without blurring it back and forth with suffering, trying to bring your old life back into new experiences, new memories, new um, interactions. Those things are what's going to help you heal and deal with it a lot faster and move on a lot faster, okay? So this is where I want you to take this window of opportunity and do that thing that you always thought was crazy or do that thing that you thought, oh, no, I'm just not going to do it. I never thought I'd do it. Get out of your comfort zone and pick that one thing. 
whether it's get a license to drive a boat or a motorcycle, cut your hair off, um, get a tattoo, travel, start that course, um, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do. Obviously, if you want to do it, don't get a fucking back tat if you don't want to do it because Alexis told you to do it. I'm saying that thing that's been in the back of your mind, this is your window to do it because this is where you're going to feel most that you have nothing to lose. So maximize that. Okay. Next one. Second last one. Number seven. I want you to really acknowledge all your alternative possibilities in your life. Okay. Don't, do not, especially when you're upset and when you're feeling down, do not get stuck thinking that this life that you're living right now is the only possible path that your life could have ever taken. Are you fucking kidding yourself? That's not the case. Expand your mind and take a hard look at yourself. Your possibilities in your life and where your life could have gone and could go now is never ending. The partner options, the people you could be dating, your skill options, your career options, your hobby options, everything can be turned around to the extent that in one year your life could be like you could have done a full 180 and your life could look completely different, okay? You see it all the time. People demonstrate this shit all the time. I can easily think up in my head at least 10 alternative lives I could be living if I decided that one day this particular life is not for me. Like I could be an architect and I could be living in this place. I could be what? Like I've, I've got literally like so many life possibilities that are flowing out of my ears. I just am living this one because I want to be living this one and I really enjoy it. But if I was to think this, is, this life isn't for me anymore, there's all these other possibilities that are. Okay, And if I'm not fulfilled or if I'm not happy, then I know that there's all these other possibilities for me. And I want you to start to do that for yourself. I want you to start to think, wait a minute, this is not my only option. Thank you very much. Okay, I have fucking options, cunt. And I'm here because I want to be here. And if I get defeated here and I choose to stay, it's because I want to stay, not because that was my only option. Okay, Because there's also these other 10 possibilities or 100 possibilities that I could be living. And I also know that if I were to get my heart broken, I definitely would not be sitting down, you know, wallowing for a year and a half like I did last time. I know that for a fact because I've been through it, I've experienced it, and I know that the pain would probably be greater, but the suffering would be less, okay, if that makes sense, because pain and suffering, pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. You know, I'd be in fucking Mallorca for six months, lapping up the rays, learning the guitar, okay? So it's it's that kind of shit. It's understanding the possibilities that are there for you. It's understanding that no matter what, your life could go in any direction and you need to be expanding your horizon. Don't be so narrow-minded when it comes to where your life is headed. And if you experience defeat in a certain area, that is an opportunity for you to be like, okay, I've, I've experienced defeat here, but is this defeat, did I get defeated in something that I actually didn't want any, anyway, but I thought that was for me? You know, because as Jim Carrey says about his dad, his father failed doing something that he didn't want to do. So you might as well take a risk on something that you love. It's kind of that idea. So if you experience defeat in something, whether it's a relationship or whether it's your career, this is your opportunity to say, but did I even want this? Or is this the only thing I wanted? What if I actually did entertain that idea of that passion that I had a few years ago, but I fucking suffocated it down and I, I, you know, I buried it? You know, what if this is my chance to actually tap into these other possibilities? But I just never thought that opportunity would come up because I had selected this other life for me, okay? So this is a very cool time to acknowledge and consider all the alternative possibilities for you in your life and not be so narrow-minded with 
with where your life is going. Now, the last one is always try and make light of these moments with the closest people in your life, okay? When you are experiencing this time, this is where you need to lean on your inner circle, lean on your best friends or your family if they are also your best friends, okay? Draw these people in. Your friends want to be there for you if you let them in, okay? And when you have your inner circle around you, helping you process something, helping you deal with these moments, gratitude kicks in because you think, fuck, it's so nice to have these people to lean on when I'm going through this hard time and when I'm trying to rebuild. And gratitude is a huge player in helping you come out of a defeat and bouncing back because you realize how much good there is. You realize how much there is to live for. You realize how much you have yet uncovered in your life and what there's still to uncover and you're grateful for that, okay? Gratitude for me expands when I'm around the people that I'm closest to because that is what I'm most grateful for in my life, are my relationships. So you have to lean into your inner circle, your best friends, or the things that make your life great, okay? And when you lean into those things and when you lean into those people that can be of support to you, then you start feeling like you can shed light on the situation. You can even laugh about a certain situation. I've been in, in my depths of heartbreak. I've been able to laugh about like how ridiculous my day was or how fucked everything was going for me. And I'm like, is this a joke? And there are moments of light here and there. And you can have those moments with your closest people. So lean into them whenever you need to. A good friend will want to be there for you no matter what. Okay, guys, I hope that that episode was helpful for you. And that you were able to take some one, two, eight, it was eight in total. Um, take those points and apply them to your current situation. Okay, time for the listener story segment of today's episode. Let's get straight into it. Hey girl, love you. I am hooked, 100% hooked on your podcast. Honestly, your podcast is the only one that I listen to, lol. Maybe I need to venture out a bit. I just feel I get so much from your podcast and I can't wait for your book to come to Canada. Thank you so much. My question is, I have so many notebooks that I journal in and I was planning on rewriting them all into one book, but reading what I have wrote brings me so much discomfort. I feel I should just throw them away, but I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts on journaling or is this a stupid question to even ask? Lol. Definitely not a stupid question to ask. And that's it's actually a very good question because I think it's there's a difference between, and I think this is where you might be wondering or what your question might be, there's a difference between suppressing painful things and not dealing with them versus having dealt with something but it's just not pleasant and not needing to dredge it up because it has been dealt with. And if it's necessary to talk about it, yeah, you can talk about it. But this idea of reminding yourself of all these things again and again isn't really necessary. So I think you have to ask yourself, have I dealt with this pain? Put it this way. If I had journaled during the time that I went through my breakups, both my big traumatic breakups where literally, you know, I was genuinely struggling and I would say that I had acute depression. It was not a good time. If I had journaled during that time, there's no way in hell I would right now be rewriting all those stories. Fuck no. Not necessarily would I throw them out. I don't know. I, look, to be honest, me personally, I would probably get rid of it because I've just done so much work around myself and I've fully dealt with it. So keeping it or throwing it out would be much of a muchness for me. I just wouldn't read it ever again. I would not 
absolutely not be rewriting it just because it's something that I'm like, I've fully dealt with this. And when I think about even those people, even the ones that caused me pain at the time, I have no animosity towards them anymore. It's genuine. I'm at peace with everything that happened. And I can look back and think I'm grateful for those moments because of where they've gotten me now. So because I feel I've dealt with it, I would be like, it would genuinely be a waste of my time and an unnecessary... um, an unnecessary steering of my emotions into a, a, a time that was very painful for me that doesn't need to be relived because it has been dealt with. Does that make sense? So in, in that scenario, I don't see the value whatsoever in going back, dredging it up and rewriting it, especially if you feel at peace now. However, if you are in a situation where there's something that you absolutely have not dealt with to the extent that it's like cock blocking you in certain things in your life, for example, your walls are so high up because you, you've you been hurt so badly in a relationship and you really want a new relationship but you can't enter one because you can't be vulnerable and it's just too painful to even fathom, then maybe not necessarily rewriting but maybe it would be beneficial to skim through what you had written at the time of that painful time if you feel that you haven't dealt with it and start to look for maybe patterns or triggers in certain things and think okay well this is this is specifically what was really affecting me and maybe that specific detail is what I could work on whether it's alone or guided with a therapist but those are the things that obviously cause me the most pain and why is that? Was this, was this, you know, an insecurity in me? Was this bringing up even older emotions? What could this mean? I hope that makes sense in what I'm saying. I just genuinely, the way I feel is if you have absolutely processed something and you feel really at peace, even though it was painful at the time, but now you're at peace with it, there is no benefit whatsoever to be going back, dredging and rewriting it, like going into the depths. And are you going to reread it again? I feel like if the journal is done, leave it. However, if you think, no, that was so important what I wrote and I know that if I reread it, it will benefit me to read that again in the future, then by all means, rewrite it into another journal. But if you think that's a fucking dark time and I'm glad it's over, then you don't have to be a martyr and you don't have to be bringing it back up. It all comes down to have I do I feel like I've dealt with this or or does something need to be dredged up again so I can crack it open, really figure out what the fuck was going on back then so I can process it. But a lot of the time, the work that you do can be done with the present and what you're dealing with right now. It might not necessarily need bringing up all this shit from the past and throwing it into your today because a lot of healing also comes down with learning again how to really be present in the moment and you don't want to focus too much of your healing in dredging up the past. In certain cases it is necessary to do so for sure. A lot of therapy does revolve around discovering things from your past that will help explain why something is happening right now. However, you don't want to fall down that cycle of obsessing over something that occurred in the past and thinking that that defines you because it does not. What you focus on primarily and what you choose to revolve your thoughts around is ultimately what will define you. So that is, to an extent, a big choice and you have a lot of freedom around those things. I don't think you 
should feel that it's absolutely necessary to be reminding yourself and bringing it up and all the details and reliving it. That's that to an extent and in a lot of cases can be very toxic and can actually be very detrimental to the trajectory of your day, your week, your month. So I would be extremely selective with what I rewrite and ask yourself, do I need to rewrite this? Because journaling is very, it's great. I think it's very beneficial to journal because it helps you process the day. But sometimes you don't, all it takes is maybe just to skim through. I don't think you might not, you might not even have to rewrite the whole thing. Your focus is on the today. It's on like, what am I working on today? What's happening? It's fine to have these journals, but I don't see the the need to be rewriting everything down. Hopefully that helps. If it brings you joy to rewrite it, by all means, go ahead and rewrite it. But if the task is daunting, don't do it. That is my that is my advice. Focus on the now, focus on the today. You want to be focusing on things that make you feel good, things that are going to enrich your soul. Ask yourself this question every time you're about to sit down and write down, is this going to enrich my soul or will this put me into a downward spiral for the rest of the day? And that will answer your question if, if you should rewrite it. Thank you so much for sending in your questions, guys. If you do want to send in questions, email is info at dyfmpod.com. Stunning.